Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're in the room or whether you're watching us online, we welcome you. Would you stand as we begin to worship today? How many can say God has done something for me in this place today? Come on, how many can say God has done something great for me in this place today? Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it together. I saw. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power Come on now Still the miracle that Testimony. This is my testimony. 
from the Lord to his people. That is Isaiah 30, chapter 20. 
I'm sorry, Isaiah 30, verse 18 to 20. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. God's waiting for us. So he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. God is faithful. Praise God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you will just ask him for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. The Lord gave you adversity for food at times and suffering for drink. He will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. And I've always believed that if that voice you hear of the Lord is behind you, you're in the wrong place. You've gotten ahead of God. The shepherd should never be behind the sheep. Amen. And if we get ahead of God, we get ahead of his anointing. Praise God. Your own ears will hear him. I'll say this again. A voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. That's all the things of this world that Jesus said we must let go of. Amen. And you will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. Can we all say that together, brothers and sisters? To Good riddance to the things of this world compared to Jesus. Good riddance. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Amen. Praise God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. At this time, I'd like to ask uh, Elder Sharon. Let's, is Doug here? He's over here. <laughs> Doug, would you come forth, please? I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm, 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 I think I'm Vaughn. Go ahead, please. Wow, last night Vaughn said, Kevin, can you pray? I thought, what a privilege. You're asking me if I want to talk to my Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And we can do it at any time. Any time at all. A little scripture from uh, Psalms 121, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the master of heaven and earth. Ooh, we need help. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone who's coming to this, this house of prayer. Lord, we come in with problems. We come in with celebrations. We come in just to learn. We're here to hear the word today that Pastor Rogers is bringing us from you to us. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for that treasure book, the Bible. Lord, uh, we need help trying to bring back, uh, get things going again from the COVID, uh, get different programs started again. One is the uh, Sunday school program. Lord, uh, bring those children in. We're ready. We do need helpers. So, uh, Lord, bring those also. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for that little baby that was saved by that Amber Alert the other day is healthy and it's alive. Lord, thank you. 
Father God, protect those little children. Father God, protect the unborn children. You put that baby in the mother's womb. Protect all those unborn babies. Keep them safe from harm. Father God, it's time. It's time to sit quietly, listen to what you have to say from Pastor Rogers to us and our ears and our hearts and our souls and have us go out into all the world and preach your gospel. Lord, we love you and we just want to do it right and we want to do it for you. We love you and we come to you in Christ Jesus' holy name. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. CTC family, I'm Jamie, and here's this week's news. Our last open mic night at Living Waters Cafe was a huge success. We had a number of people who came out to share their talents, and there was a lot of great fellowship. This Saturday, July 17th, at 7 p.m., the Ellesmere Campbells will host another cafe open mic night. Doors will open at 6.30. There will be entertainment and light refreshments. To reserve your spot behind the mic, contact Jim Booker at livingwaterscafe.ctc at gmail.com. We love to be able to give good news about people who are becoming members of our church, and our family is growing again. Out of our most recent membership class, we now have eight new members of CTC. Four of them are Lois Herring, April Brown Loper, and Larry and Linda Horan. When you see these folks, make them feel welcome. If you are interested in becoming a member of our church at either location, there will be another opportunity coming soon. In this week's message, Pastor Roger gives us several links to helpful materials related to the series, This Is God and Us. You will find them in the notes section on ctcde.online.church, or you can click the PDF button when you go back to watch us on demand. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church, or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, Call the Bear Campus Office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus Office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. extremely glad when they said, let us go into God's house. One more day to get up and celebrate Jesus and all that he's done for us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. Thank you, God. You know, we always, always, always want to connect with you. So you'll find at your table or on your chair a connect card where you can list some demographic information, but most importantly, you can list prayer concerns. If you're in the room, if you're in our online audience, there is a connect tab. So we ask that you click that tab and submit the requested information, especially the prayer concerns. If you're new here, as you leave the service and exit the door to your left, you'll find a welcome center We ask that you stop in, and a member of our pastoral care staff will meet with you and offer you a small gift. If you're new here and you're online,
please click the new here button and submit some confidential information. Good morning, and it's wonderful to see all of you here today and uh, welcome you online as well. As Fran has said about the Connect cards, the Connect cards that are so important for us to stay connected in that way. And uh, Fran wanted to mention something else about a couple in our church that has a special uh, day today. I did. I told Pastor Roger what I was going to say and completely forgot. So Roger and Carolyn Thompson, who are celebrating the big 5-8 wedding anniversary. God bless you. We are so, why don't you stand up so everybody can see you. Just wave or something. Yeah, wonderful. Congratulations. Another Roger and Carolyn in the church, but not me. We got, we, we've got 20, 26 more years before, 27 years before we get to 58. But uh, congratulations to the two of you. We want to be generous with our praise that we give to one another and our encouragement of, of one another. We also want to be generous with all the things that God has given to us. And there's an offering envelope uh, on, on the table or on the chair beside you. And we encourage you to, to give generously. If you're online, there's a way to give uh, online. Just click that button. But most importantly, we, we just want to teach generosity. Jesus teaches us to give and to give generously. And we follow several principles. And today we're going to look at principle number nine. And I simply ask you to read this out loud with me, if you would, please. We give generously as God directs us individually to do. Oh, I said generously, but it said purposely. And uh, we give purposely as God directs us individually to do. We give with purpose. And here's a scripture that reminds us of that. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make more room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. God is so gracious and generous to us. I was in the grocery store uh, just yesterday, and I was walking in with another uh, gentleman, and I grabbed a grocery cart just outside the door, and I saw that he was waiting to get his grocery cart, so I passed my grocery cart on to him. I said, do you need one? He said, I do. And so he said, thank you, and went on to the store, and then he turned around to me and said, I just did that at another store for somebody else, so I guess this is my return blessing that I get. And that's the way God works for us. Uh, it's just a grocery cart, but God gives gives back to us when we give whatever it is to God. So uh, it's uh, we, we praise God for the way that he gives for us. Let's continue to worship. Uh, let me invite you here to stand and uh, sing with us, and I'll offer a prayer as the team leads us. Let's stand as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for your gifts, the gift of life that you give to us. And, and Kevin's prayer earlier reminded us of the gift of life that you give to us in the mother's womb. And none of us has life except that it came to us through our mother's womb. And we're grateful for your creation making us God. As we continue to worship you, God, come and be present with us today. Fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill us with your courage and with praise for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, we worship you because of your love, your extravagant love, your amazing love, your gracious love, your healing love, your redeeming love, your restoring love, your saving love. We worship you. Let's sing together. 
love, your mercy, your grace, your peace, your salvation that you bring into our lives. And Lord, to say that you have been good to us is such a gross understatement. God, we worship you today for who you are. Lord, not just for the things that you've done, but because you are God. Lord, as the psalmist said in 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Lord, you have been good to us. We celebrate you today. We give you praise. We give you praise and honor and glory for your goodness.
Thank you. I just sense that we need to stand in the presence of the Lord and just thank Him for His goodness. someone a gift and they actually take the time to come and sit with you and give you a meaningful thank you for that gift. It's way more meaningful than just a passing, hey, thanks, appreciate that. Sometimes I, I believe it's important for us as believers, as people who receive the goodness of God on a daily basis, to just take time to say thank you. And not just a passing thank you, but God, you have been so good. And Lord, we just want to bless your name today. Father, we pray that as we have spent these moments in worship today, that you are preparing to open our hearts to receive your word as Pastor Roger comes in a moment. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your reckless love. We thank you that we have a testimony today because of all that you've done in our lives. Because of your goodness, because of your favor, because of your mercy and your grace. And because we are created in your image, Lord, our desire is to live that out. And so, Lord, one more time today on the final day of this This Is God in Us series, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and pour into us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Continue to worship God, and, and us adults are going to stay up here and uh, hear God speak to us during worship. We're going to allow the children to go downstairs with the ginger, and uh, so now's the time. Careful, going down the stairs. Thank you, children. You know, worshiping God is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and uh, I want to thank you all for for coming to worship not to sit and watch. And if you're online, you're coming to worship not to sit and watch wherever you are, but you're giving yourself as a gift to God. That is our worship. And worship doesn't, doesn't, isn't just only on Sunday mornings or whenever we gather together as the, the larger body of Christ. 
Uh, Romans 12.1 says, give your, live your lives, give your whole body as a living sacrifice. This is your good and right spiritual worship that we are to give to God. So we are to worship God every day by serving Him uh, with everything that we are and everything. And that includes our sexuality, and we've been talking about that for the last two weeks. And I want to thank you for putting up with me on this series uh, called This Is Us. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I announced, I was, I timidly announced I'm going to do a series on, on what it means to be created in God's image, male and female, and I wonder what kind of a reaction am I going to get. And, uh, but, but you have been, you, you have trusted me with that, and hopefully I have done no harm to anybody except to proclaim what God has given to us and uh, done in our lives. So two weeks ago as we began, we, we kind of unpacked that question, what does it mean to be created in God's image, both male and female? And we talked about how, how our, our maleness does not reflect the full image of God. Our femaleness alone does not reflect the full image of God. The image of God in humanity is reflected in the reality that he created us male and female. And we must live together in that unity. And God creates that as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, God make, makes families who are mother and, and, and father and child, and there is the unity uh, that reflects the unity of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing that God has given to us. But last week we talked about what happens when we miss, uh, we miss that unity, when we step outside of God's plan for our sexuality, and it breaks relationships. And that is the essence of sin, as I said last week, missing the mark. And so today I want us to end this series by looking at, okay, so what do we do about that? And the first answer, what do we do about that, is confess to Jesus Christ, to trust in Him, to, to say, Lord, I have messed up in my life, and I need your forgiveness. And I need to follow a different way. But there are some things, I've got six things that I want us to talk about this morning. And uh, I, know I don't have a lot of notes. The internet was down this week and that threw me off. And, and it's so sad to realize how dependent on technology we have become and, and our, our schedules and things like that. So I don't have nice pieces of paper for you to write down some notes. You're going to have to take your own notes today. today. But you might, la- you might label your, on your paper, find a paper, one through six, and hear some thoughts about what to do about it. I want us to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 3. And if you're here, uh, open your Bibles up on your app or on the Bibles that we've got on the table here. You can follow along on the screen, but, you know, it's always good to open up your own Bible and look at it with, uh, on paper. Luke, chapter 3, page 852 in the Bibles that we have here in the room. Uh, page 852, Luke, chapter 3. Beginning with verse 3, we're going to read through 14. Now, this is the, this is the story of uh, Jesus' cousin, whose name was John, and he baptized people. So he gets labeled John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And uh, this is John, Jesus' cousin coming uh, and, and proclaiming before Jesus begins his own ministry. And Jesus says John or Luke says John went forth from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River he didn't neglect one side he didn't favor one side I don't know why that's significant I just paused there both sides of the Jordan River preaching that people should be baptized why 
to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God for forgiveness. So if we're, if, we're, if we're realizing, if the Holy Spirit is saying to us as we're living out our sexuality, as, as we're living out what it means to be a reflection of God as a man, if we're living out what it means to be a reflection of God as a woman, and we, we sense that, that we have missed the mark, we need to stop, turn around, and seek God who always forgives us because of his son, Jesus Christ. God has already forgiven all of our sin. I think that, the, you know, so what we said, well, then why do I need to ask for forgiveness? What you need to do is you need to accept, as Pastor Bill just talked about a few minutes ago, accept that gift that Jesus has given to us. And it's like we've got to unwrap that gift. We've got to put on those new robes, as Scripture calls, about the, the new life that Jesus gives to us. We can look at and we can say all we want, Jesus, I know you died on the cross to forgive me, but that's nice. That's over there. I don't want that gift. I'm just going to continue to live my life the way I want to. I believe you did that, but I'm not going to take it. Thanks for the offering, though. That's really what we do when, when we miss the mark, and that in itself is missing the mark, and it is a sin. So baptism is a sign both to us, to one another, and to God that we are serious about following His way for our lives. So John preached that, that you should be baptized in order to show that you repent of your sin, turn around, and you turn to God to be forgiven. Now Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before John came, Isaiah spoke about John when he said, A voice, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled. The mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened. And rough places made smooth. What does any city in the world do when they know that the Olympics are coming to their city? They take years and billions of dollars, perhaps, to get ready for the Olympics. Think of that. The Lord is coming. Get ready. And the people will see the salvation that is sent from God, says verse 6. Well, the crowds heard what John said in verse 7. It says, when the, the crowds came to John for baptism. And then when they got there, he comes up with these striking words. You brood of snakes! You rotten people! Now, what's he, you know, you brood of snakes to any Jewish person who knows the stories of creation, the stories of the Old Testament, when they hear the snake what are they going to think of? They're going to think of creation. They're going to think of the serpent that tempted. They're going to think of evil. So what is John calling these people? You evil ones. Who warned you? Years ago when I was the pastor of a church in northeastern Pennsylvania, I was actually at that time I was the pastor of three, three churches. Every Sunday I traveled to, to each one and preached the same message to a different group of people. And on one particular Sunday, I was pe preaching on this. When I got to the last service at 11 o'clock, it was in this, a small church 
Uh, the sanctuary was probably only, the, the aisle was only maybe 30 feet long, which is, if you want to get married and you want a short aisle, go to that church. <laughs> you want it over quickly. Uh, and, and so we were standing there, and I was in the, in the pulpit looking down over the people. I read this scripture, and I decided I wanted them to experience what it might have felt like when John shouts and yells at these people, you brood of snakes. So I read the scripture, and then I wanted to illustrate it, but I didn't say anything to the people. I just walked out of the pulpit. I walked down some stairs into a doorway right over here into the fellowship hall, and then I walked outside uh, from the fellowship hall, and I walked around the church to the front of the sanctuary where most people had entered. Now I walked in those the first set of doors, and then there was this big set of wooden doors The room was straight walls, there were no curves, it was plastered walls, beautiful stained glass windows, and a tin ceiling. It was an old, old church, about a tin ceiling, about 20 feet high. You know, if you snap your fingers, there's going to be a a, a long echo. So as I opened those big wooden doors behind me very quietly, I stepped in very quietly, and and the congregation was still sitting there. They were looking at the pulpit. They were all wondering, what's Pastor Roger going to do now? And they didn't know I I had come in the back of the church. And I slammed that door shut as loud as I could. Boom! The whole thing went. And, of course, everybody jumped. And I yelled at them, You brood, you stinking nasty snakes! Who warned you that the Lord is coming? Now, let's pretend that if we're saying that in this world today, and we have a group of people sitting over here, and, and uh, 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 they're, they're some friends of ours today, and then we've got a group of people over here. This group of people, as soon as they hear you, brood of snakes, being shouted at them with, with much intensity, and they might hear it as anger, though it might not actually be anger. It just might be a lot of energy because this is an important message to give. And as soon as they hear that, they say, uh-uh, you ain't talking to me that way. And they turn around and they walk off. But this group of people over here Here's that message, and they say, what are you talking about? Why are you calling me a brood of snakes? What have I done? And they continue to listen to what God is saying. And John says, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? And verse 8 says, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, oh, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. Now, those of us who are, uh, we could call ourselves Gentiles, In the world back then, in this world, there were two kinds of people. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. And if you were not part of the family of Abraham, you were out of it. You were a Gentile. You were something else. And you were not in the family. But God taught the family of of Abraham to live a certain way. But they didn't. And they could hear these words and say, oh, that's okay. I'm not, I'm, he's not talking to me because I'm Jewish and I'm a relative of Abraham, so I'm okay. But John the Baptist is saying, no, that's not what this is about. You've got to live your life according to the way 
that your father, the father of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob teaches us to live. And if you sense in your spirit that God is, is, is convicting you, that's the Holy Spirit working to convince you that you've got to turn around and go a different direction, then you are culpable at that moment. And you have a choice. I can either turn my back on God like this group of people over here, or I can stay there and I can listen. And we can't just say we're safe. Now, those of us who are Gentiles, because of Jesus Christ and his action on the cross, he brings us into the family of Jesus, of, of Abraham. And we need to be careful that we don't, we don't get casual about our faith in Jesus. This is, oh, because Jesus died on the cross, I know he did that, uh, therefore I'm part of the family of Abraham, so I'm safe. We can't do that. There's something else that we've got to do. We've got to let that belief statement transfer into our hands and our feet, our mouth, our eyes, our ears, everything about us. We've got to act according to our belief. And we know that happens. You do things daily based on what you believe to be valuable to you, right? And if you, you can say, oh, I, I believe that is true, and I'm going to do that, but you don't really. And you might do that thing for a little while, but then after a while you get tired of doing that thing, and it's not so convenient, and it's not so easy, and maybe the world doesn't think that that's the way to do it. And so slowly you gradually pull back from doing that, and you're really defaulting back to what you really do believe. I don't believe Jesus did that. I don't believe Jesus really changes my heart. I don't believe Jesus has the power to do this in my life. I'm going to default back to what I really do believe. Do you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you really believe He is the one who brings healing? Do you really believe He is the one that forgives your sins? Have you experienced Jesus actually forgiving your sins and giving your spirit a spirit of peace? that you can proclaim, thank you, Jesus, as we did after that song. I heard it was beautiful to hear the people say, thank you, Jesus, for whatever. Thank you, Jesus. My sins are forgiven. The guilt is gone. And I know that I will live with you forever. I know that I'll make mistakes, but every time I make that mistake, I'm going to repent again. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to say to you, Jesus, I need your help. And I'm sorry, once again, I went off course. Help me, Jesus. Verse 9 says, no, I didn't finish verse 8. It says, uh, verse 8, middle of verse 8 says, We're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing because I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones and God is going to have a family who worships Him. And God gives us the choice whether we're going to be part of that family or not. And then he verse, continues in verse 9, Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, the very tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And the next phrase is the critical phrase. 
And this is the phrase, that is the same phrase that after the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, Jesus had already been crucified, Jesus had risen from the dead, Jesus had lived on the earth for 40 days, and then Jesus ascended into heaven, and then 10 days after that, God sent the Holy Spirit upon his disciples to fill them with power. And when they filled, were filled with power, Peter was compelled to go out and to proclaim the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. And these same words after Jesus preached, to the people outside in different languages. Jesus spoke, Peter spoke the same language, but they all heard it in their own language. And they were cut to the heart. And they said, what should we do? The same words. And when John the Baptist was preaching, repent because the kingdom of God is coming. And so be baptized as a sign of your decision to follow Jesus. The crowds ask, what should we do? And John replies, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even tax collectors, even corrupt tax collectors, came to be baptized. And then they asked, teacher, what should we do? And John replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do, asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Now, what would John say to you in your own occupation? He's just giving us three examples of the the transfer of of the decision to repent and follow God's ways gets proven by our actions And if our actions don't follow our decision to follow Jesus, did we really make the decision? And are we really going to reap the life that comes from a life that is following God? No. No, we're not. And these are John's instructions. So applying this to to our sexual lives certainly calls us to do these six things that we're going to go through. Number one, repentance. We've kind of covered that, what that means. Turning away from sin, turning toward Jesus for forgiveness. And Jesus also gives us the power, the power, the the, the force to be able to follow through on what he calls us to do. The word, the word power is the word dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. It's, it's, a, it's a force that causes something else to happen. That's one definition of the word power in the Bible. So repentance is the first thing. The second thing that we need to do in, in, living out, uh, in repenting and living out God's way in our sexuality is to be brutally honest about our own situation with someone else. We've got to stop the denial. We've got to stop the excuses. We've got to stop the the rationalizing our behaviors. Now, rationalizing is something I am excellent at. If I'm caught doing something wrong, I I can come up with a million different reasons, and God has given me a fairly good ability to think logically. 
And I can excuse something, well, if this didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened, and this wouldn't have happened, and I wouldn't have done this. That's rationalizing. That's what Adam did when God came, when, they, when Adam and Eve sinned, and uh, God came walking through the garden looking for them, and finally, they, they knew God was there. They heard the footsteps of God walking through the Garden of Eden. And God said, where are you? And finally, Adam says, we hid from you. Well, because we sinned against you. Who told you that? (laughs) Well, why did you do this? Well, God, let me tell you. You you know that woman over there? Her. She, she, She gave this apple to me. If she hadn't given that apple to me, I wouldn't have done. And she wouldn't have given that apple to me if that serpent didn't give it to her. And actually, God, you, you gave this woman to me. So really, you're to blame, God, for my own sin. Because if you hadn't given this woman to me, I wouldn't have taken the apple. So it wasn't my fault. That's rationalizing. See how good I am at it? I'm really good at it. Lord, forgive me. But we've got to be brutally honest, and we need other people to confess our honesty to. We need, the third, third thing is, we need a band of brothers and sisters. Number one was repent. Two, be, get brutally honest. But you've got to be brutally honest with someone. So, so number three is, we need a band of brothers and sisters to, to confess this, to, to help us with this, with living the life that God wants us to. We can't live it alone. I've said this last two weeks, I think, sometime in the sermon. God created us to live in relationship, and to be human means that we are in relationship with one another. This is us, us. The image of God in us is us. And we've got to be in relationship. I remember as a teenager, I got hurt I was about 14 or 15, and I liked a girl. This is such an embarrassing story, such a simple story, but so embarrassing. I was on the school bus. The girl I liked was sitting across the aisle over here, and we kind of, you know, we were friends, and I kind of wanted something more, and I was afraid to make any move. But we were on a band trip, dangerous place to be. And, and I didn't know what time it was. I didn't have a watch like I don't have today. So I wanted to know what time it was. I thought we were friends enough that I could reach over. I saw she had a watch. I lifted her hand to see her watch. I, I put my hand right about here on her arm. And I lifted her arm up like this so that I could see her watch. She thought I was trying to hold her hand. She yanked her arm away from me and said, Don't you ever do that again. I was heartbroken. That was enough rejection for me to say, all right, if that's what relationships with girls are like, I don't want it. And I I was entering my 10th grade year, and and, and it was one of those, it was the most miserable year of my life, and I decided I'm not, if friendship means you're going to get hurt, I'm not going to have a friendship. I don't want a friendship because I don't want to get hurt. How do you think my 10th grade year went? Oh, my gosh, I was miserable. I was lonely. I didn't trust anybody. Because God created us to live in community. And if we're not living in relationship with other people, 
we're not, we're not human. And I was trying to do something so that I didn't get hurt anymore. But I was hurting myself by keeping myself from getting hurt from others. What a confusing thing that is. Of course it's confusing. It's the way God made us. By my time, uh, my 11th grade year, oh, this is so silly for me to say. 11th grade year, I learned the lesson. And I decided I'm going to start making some friends, both guy and girlfriends. I'm going to start revealing who I am. I'm going to start revealing my mistakes. I'm going to start becoming vulnerable to people. I'm going to start, uh, when we get to gym class, I'm going to go out and play basketball with the guys who like to play basketball, even though I can't play basketball. But I just need to have some guy friends. And I need to make some friends with some guys. I need to have some, some good friends with some girls. And I started to do these things. I remember I can't play basketball. I never could play basketball. But these guys were always playing basketball. And I decided to just jump into the game one day. And they, they let me jump in. And I, and I just needed to make some kind of impression. So, so I, uh, I tackled a guy. I couldn't dribble the ball. I couldn't shoot the ball. So I just decided to tackle a guy. And that got, and that, that, that got some attention. And the guy said, ooh, look what Roger can do. Anyway, silly. The things we do as teenagers. But I started to make friends, even though it was awkward and it was painful and whatever, because God created us to live in community. We need a band of brothers and sisters. We cannot live life alone. We must have deeply enriching and loving relationships with people who will hold us accountable and share life with us. It's got to go deep. So one, repent. Two, brutally honest. Three, a band of brothers. Four, we need to be proactive in our confessions. We need, we need not to wait to get caught before we confess. We need to say, okay, I know this was the wrong thing to do, but I'm not going to confess it until somebody catches me. That is immature. And we need to grow up. And as soon as we, as soon as we sense, oh, this was the wrong thing to do, we need to confess it. We need to be proactive in learning to confess our wrongs to God and to others. And the more we are able to do that, the more we're going to be... Remember those two groups of people that I illustrated before, those who listened to God and those who turned their back on God? The more we are proactive about confessing, the more we'll find ourselves over in this group continually listening to what God has for us to say because we know that God is always forgiving. But these people over here, because they've turned their back on God, they will never know that God is forgiving because they've refused to listen to the message. And they will never experience the fullness of God's forgiveness in their life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. I don't know if we're able to get this on the screen or not. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. This is, the writer of Hebrews is, proclaim, is, is comparing Jesus to Moses and saying how much more supreme Jesus is to Moses. Oops, chapter 3, not chapter 13. Chapter 3. In verse 7, I'm going to start reading at verse 7. It's on page 1010 in the Bibles that we've got here. 1010. The Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. As Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. 
where your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So I took so in my anger, I took an oath, says the Spirit. They will never enter my place of rest. If we're feeling the conviction from the Holy Spirit and we're not confessing it and responding to it, we will not have peace. And we continue to try to live the way that we want to live instead of the way God wants us to live. But we still have this unsettling sensation in our spirits because we're not resting in the peace that only comes when we confess it and trust Jesus to forgive us on the cross. We have to confess it. They will never enter the place of reason. And he says, so the writer says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened hardened against God. Learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And do not turn away. We need to be proactive in our confession. Number five says we need to disrupt disrupt negative routines in our lives. We know what those negative routines are. Talking about our sexuality and, and, and you know, the, the, the pornography is a problem that is increasingly uh, a problem for women, not just men. And with the advent of, of, of the Internet and smartphones, you know, some people my age used to get their pornography from, from the grocery store. Or, or when, I, when, when we were younger, I never bought a, a, a porn, pornographic magazine. But you better believe that as I was going through the grocery store, even with my mother, I was glancing at the rack just to get an image of something. And it goes from there, and and, and we play with those ideas, and it goes to another one, to another one, to another one. And that's the way we are. So my routine was, okay, let's go to the store, and mom's not going to buy that for me, and I'm not going to buy that in front of mom, certainly. Let me just look. So I always make sure I go past that rack. So no, you change your route. I know some men who are struggling with pornography, and they, they actually they go the long way around to their commute to work to avoid certain parts of town. Because there just might be a billboard there that has a picture of a woman that causes their mind to go places where they know their mind shouldn't go. And that leads to another place and another place and another place. So we have to disrupt the routines. We could say the thing, same thing for any addiction whether it's alcohol or drugs or food or even work, whatever it is that is consuming our lives and destroying us, we have to disrupt the negative routines. And finally, number six, if we've gone so far down the road that it is repeatedly we're getting to that same place, we need to We need to engage in a biblical recovery program. Many of us need this. We've all probably heard the the term AA, 
Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. There are all kinds of recovery groups. And I know that not every, uh, not every person responds to every process for recovery, but you've got to find a process that works for you. And I've given you, uh, on, online, we have a, you can go to our, our sermon.net page and, and find a brochure that looks like this that's on there electronically, on our tables and on our chairs. Reach out and grab one of these brochures that says, uh, A Resource Guide for Sexual Purity. And, uh, uh, no, um, Glenn, I don't know, there's some of these back on the, Somebody, somebody, one of my staff members, somebody help Glenn find some more of these if you can and, and hand these around and let's look at this because I want to go through these. These are, uh, these are uh, recovery programs that are available to us. And here's one. This one says, the first one is uh, uh, the, called the Underground. Uh, and this is a Christ-centered education and encouragement to facilitate the healing of men and spouses caught in the destruction of sexual sin. And there are two groups that meet at Christ the Cornerstone, one here at this campus, one at the Ellesmere campus. And if you want to get in contact, you can go on that website, follow the, the link that says find a group, and you can get involved in that way. It's very confidential. And even if you come and ask me to be, how do I get in touch with that group, I will give you the name of somebody, and you'll call them, and they'll, they'll talk with you about being in that group. Another uh, Bible, biblical recovery program is Desert Stream Ministry. They have a program called Living Waters, which is a, uh, a very intensive and emotional program that can help you in this. And then there are different, different kinds of books and people and ministries helping others. So here's a, a, a pastor, a female pastor who has struggled with sexual addiction in her own life, written three books called Redeeming Sexuality, Biblical Femininity, and Body Matters. You can Google those and look those up. Gary Ingram runs an organization called Love and Truth Network, Pure Then Pure Desire Ministries. Organization called There's Still Hope. Or I love that title. Organization called Husband Material. Do we want our do we want we want our young men to be husband material? Absolutely. Keep yourselves pure. Jim Anderson wrote a book called Unmasked. Crystal Renee Renault Day started an organization called She Recovery. And then did you know that there was a triple X church? Did you know there was a triple X church? There is. And you can imagine somebody looking for pornography types in Google XXX and they comes up with triple X church. Thank you, Jesus, for a pastor brave enough to name his church triple X church so that he can save, help, rescue men and women who are caught in sexual addiction. God has given us a tremendous gift to live out our sexuality. It is the image of God in us. But he wants us to use it in a good, right, and holy way as God is holy. So let's go to John James chapter 15 as we end our, our series. Book of James, Hebrews, James, Peter, John, James chapter, th- chapter 5 verse 16 in our Bibles here it's page 1022 and in verse 16 we read these power actually I'm going to start with verse 13 and as we move towards towards uh, our time of prayer this is what James instructs us to do are any of you suffering hardships and if you're suffering sexual addiction or sexual problems in your marriage or you're struggling with your own understanding of your sexuality 
That's a hardship because it's difficult. He says, are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other in order that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I invite you to come and pray this morning. I invite you to pray where you are. That God may bring the healing to you that you need. Let's be brutally honest with ourselves and with God. I know you may not be comfortable coming. You know, I don't encourage you to come forward and confess your sins in detail to somebody who's a stranger. You got to trust the person that you're confessing to. So maybe if you come here and one of these people prays for you or you pray here at the, at the platform area or you even pray where you are at your table. Let's come together. Let me invite you to stand as we as as we sing and as the team leads us and we pray. Let me offer this prayer while we're while we're standing as you are able. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you created us in your image and you gave us this gift of our sexuality. And Lord, I confess that we have not used it in the way that you intended, and it has caused great harm not only in, in our world but in our individual lives. I thank you for your word that does not ignore any part of our life. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill us in these moments with a spirit of listening to God. Send your Holy Spirit to us as we are brutally honest with you, perhaps for the first time. We can confess our sin to you. We turn to you so that we can be forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. pastor said the front area is open if you want someone to pray with you there are folks at our prayer stations let's just continue to worship the lord this morning lord would you meet us here in this place can't go back to the beginning can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. Let's confess it today. I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless you come.
do this life without you. We cannot overcome sin without you. You meet us here today. As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Like the
Spirit of God, as we leave this place, Lord, we know that you go with us. Your Spirit lives in us. Lord, help us to be more and more mindful of the fact that you live in us, that your Spirit lives in us, and that we are created in your image. Lord, help us to love people the way you love them. Help us to care for people the way you care for them. And help us to understand that it's our job to do that and your job to change people. Yes, sin is sin. But God, it's not our job to change people. It's our job to love people. So that is what we've taken on as mission for our church, to love you and to love people so that everyone might know. Go with us today, Lord, and every day. We bless your name. It's in that name we pray, and everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have a great week.